Hello, beautiful beings. Welcome to the Empowered by Sarah podcast. I'm Sarah and I'm your host. If you're looking to get back in touch with your true self, you've come to the right place. We will be exploring all things to do with emotional, physical, and spiritual wellness. Buckle up, we're gonna get deep. Hello everyone, I hope you're doing absolutely wonderful. I myself am just coming back from two weekends in a row from being on a holiday, so lucky me, but I am trying to get off of vacation mode and back into the swing of things, so it has been already an exhausting week for me, um, but I'm really excited about this podcast episode. I am interviewing Braylee founder of the Soulfillment Approach, um, and she specializes in eating disordered and disordered eating patterns. I personally felt like this episode is super informative. Talking to Braylee is first and foremost just amazing. She's an amazing soul, but she is a true specialist in the sense where she knows the ins and outs of different eating disorders and eating patterns. And I was shocked to hear some of the things that she had said because I feel like These things are all too prominent in the everyday world in this day and age and we don't even realize it. For example, limiting what we eat, jumping from diet to diet, um, feeling guilty for eating things, maybe feeling like we need to work, quote, work off whatever we eat. Um, Those can all be signs of having some disordered eating thoughts, yet they are so, so common and we don't even realize it. So, This is a great episode for everyone educationally, whether you have an eating disorder, maybe looking for some help, or may have a few mindsets about eating that you just are looking to change. Uh, Braylee talks about intuitive eating, which is huge, so definitely tune in. I think you guys are going to love this one. And definitely do yourself a favor by checking out Braylee's Facebook, Instagram, and website after you listen. She has amazing daily journal prompts that she posts and a tribe full of women that are there just to support each other so it's something you do not want to miss so with that being said let's get on with the episode so Braylee uh why don't you tell the listeners kind of what you do what the fulfillment approach is about and just a little bit about yourself the fulfillment approach is the business I created And I am a holistic eating disorder recovery coach, and I'm currently being certified as a holistic nutritionist. I work with women one-on-one as they take a mind, body, and soul approach to healing. Some of the issues that I work on with my clients are negative body image, disordered eating, exercise addiction, period loss, all the kinds of things that are really prevalent in today's society with that ever-present message that you need to be thinner and that the things about you are not good enough and that you need to be different in some way in order to be accepted. Yeah, my gosh, I feel like it's everywhere that message, whether it's advertisements or even something that I kind of battle with all the time is like the newest cleanse or the newest diet. I feel like I'm always trying something else, whether that's just for weight loss or just general health or like to help with fatigue. I I just feel like there's so much information and so many messages out there. It's so difficult to navigate. Absolutely. And this information overload can kind of lead to this like 
self-sabotage and like analysis paralysis where you're trying all these different things and you're not actually listening to your body and that is what we really work on in my program is tuning into your body aligning your mind body and soul so that you know what is truly best for you and you can create a life that is truly nourishing to all aspects of your being and you're not just following something because you heard it on the radio or in a magazine or because you feel you have to be a certain way in order to fit into society and a problem i realized is that is in the recovery system that is out there for people with eating disorders is that it is mainly focused on physical recovery and the mind and the soul are not really addressed in the process and i struggled with disordered eating for over a decade and i didn't find any help in the traditional medical system I felt alone, I felt like I wasn't heard, and I felt like I was just lying to get my way out of there so that I could revert back to my old behaviors. And I gained the weight, I got my period, but the eating disorder was still very much in my mind, and I still felt like I wasn't myself. And so I went on to live for nearly a decade with this monster still in my mind. And I wished I had somebody who understood what I was going through and who had made it out alive and who understood that it wasn't just about gaining weight and getting your period back and who would actually be there to help me through the mental part and in finding who I truly was underneath it all. And so I ended up recovering on my own through the use of holistic practices and a lot of mindset work. And that is the basis of my business. I am here to be the person who I wish I had when I was recovering, to help my clients take that approach that is unique to them, that is going to allow them to dig deep and find the traumas that are truly causing the issues and heal those so that they can release the disorder and go on to live the rest of their lives free and embracing who they truly are as a whole person, mind, body, and soul. Yeah. And so that's just kind of what I do in a nutshell. Yeah, and that's amazing. And I have a thousand questions for you. But before we get too far, would you be willing to share a little bit more about your personal journey? I know you mentioned you were in recovery for like 10 years or something like that. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about the personal side of that. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like from a very young age, I had negative thoughts about my body and certain comments from people definitely triggered me to think that my body needed to be different in some way, that I needed to look like the models on TV, that I'd be so much happier and so much better if I was thinner. And once puberty set in, I was really uncomfortable with the way that my body was changing. And I was a victim to a lot of like sexual assault and harassment. And I guess I blamed part of that on my body. And I didn't like the idea that I was becoming bigger than my mom because my mom's a very small person and <laughs> she's just a small person. And so me going through puberty and growing, I was afraid of becoming bigger than my mom as well. And I think that had something to do with triggering it. But around the age of 11 is when the disorder really start to, started to set in. And 
it started out as an innocent attempt to get healthier and lose some weight. And I just started eating healthy and exercising more. And then it just spiraled. Like I saw that I was doing well and I got excited and I just kept going and going and going. But the more that I kept going, the less satisfaction I found, the bigger I began to see myself. And so I thought I needed to lose more weight and more weight and more weight in order to be happier. And before I knew it, I was being diagnosed with anorexia and being thrown into an outpatient program. And I didn't feel like my needs were being met or that I was being listened to as I shared before. And the eating disorder really destroyed so much of my life. It destroyed my relationships. It made me into a liar. It sent my honesty to ashes and it caused so much like dismay and stress in my family, within myself. It messed with my schoolwork and I'm a very good student, so that was not okay with me. And it just really destroyed so much of who I was at such a young age and it completely shook up my world. And especially having my independence taken away from me by and having it put in the hands of doctors and not even be able to eat lunch by myself at school and having people always check up on me. I really didn't like that because I'm a very independent person. So Mm -hmm. I lied my way out of everything and I made it look like I'd gotten better when I really hadn't and went on to kind of live in this state of looking normal and okay to everybody else, but still really struggling and still hanging on to the disorder and keeping myself sick, but well enough to not have attention directed towards me. And it wasn't until a few years ago that I had to face the fact that I wasn't better. I didn't have my period. I was very, very thin. I weighed less than I weighed in fourth grade. And I realized that for having not having a period for so long and not being healthy for so long was doing so much damage to my body and that I may not be able to have children. And that really scared me. And especially since I had just met the love of my life and I began thinking like, what if I couldn't have children? I, I wouldn't want him to resent me for not being able to give something to him that he truly has always wanted. And so I shared that with him and I told him, I love you. But if it were to turn out, if I could not have children, then I want you to know it would be okay if you left because I wouldn't want to take that from you or for you to secretly resent me for not being able to give you that. And he looks me straight in the eyes and he told me, I love you so much. Don't make me do that. And that's really... When my recovery kickstarted, my true recovery started because I had my why. And that was my reason that really kept me going strong throughout recovery. I did it on my own. I couldn't afford to get help from the doctors. And I didn't feel like it would actually help because I'd been there before. And so I took it into my own hands. And here I am today. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. That's it's it's interesting that it started from such a young age. Is there do you feel certain like trigger ages um, or that bring on different types of eating disorders uh, that happen in different parts of people's lives? 
Um, I really, I, a lot of things happen in early childhood and especially elementary years because elementary school children, while they're adorable, they are mean. <laughs> like they can be really mean yeah. <laughs> to mm-hmm. each other. And so a lot of things stem from early ages that create these stories that we carry with us throughout our lives. And so most of the time it's from early on, but it's really different for everybody. Everybody has their own circumstances that cause them to form these stories and beliefs that they're carrying around with themselves and ways that made them feel like their life was out of control and that they needed to find a way to control it or to cope with what they felt they couldn't handle going on outside of them. And so that's a huge reason why people turn to disordered behaviors of any kind. Yeah. And that brings me to a question I had. Is there a difference between the term eating disorders and disordered eating? I believe so. There is, I mean, of course, eating disorders are made up of disordered eating patterns and disordered eating can lead to a full-blown eating disorder, Mm -hmm. but there are definitely people in society today that have disordered eating patterns because of the influence of the media and people being made to think that these things are normal and they're healthy and because diet tips these days are really eating disorder advice in disguise. And Mm -hmm. so people can be having disordered thoughts and have disordered eating habits without having a full blown eating disorder where it's literally ruining your whole life and your health is at stake and all of those sorts of really negative things that need to be fixed right away when you have an eating disorder. Yeah. And I feel like that's where so many of us like tiptoe the line. Like you said, diet tips, like it's, it's so hard these days to know, like, what is it really like to be healthy? And I feel like there are a lot of like disordered eating patterns and thoughts and emotions that we all go through, um, that just tiptoe the line, like right there. What, what would you say are some like signs or thoughts or emotions just to look out for, you know, if you're headed towards disordered eating or an eating disorder? Definitely, if you're finding that you are obsessing over the food you're about to eat, you eat, everything you put in your body, if you're obsessing over numbers, if you are body checking in the mirror, if you are weighing yourself every day or multiple times a day and you're letting that number decide how your day is going to go, if you find that you feel guilty for eating certain things or that you're afraid of eating certain things or that you're mentally restricting what you can and can't have and you feel like you have to follow some rules and something's going to happen to you if you break them. Mm -hmm. If you find that you have to justify what you're eating with exercise or justify it at all, that's really a big sign. If you find that you're trying to follow some sort of any kind of advice you find on the internet or from other people and you're jumping around from diet to diet to diet and you're not truly listening to your body because you don't feel like you have that connection to know what it actually wants and needs and you don't trust yourself to make those decisions. Those are some really clear signs that you are struggling with disordered eating as are feeling like you need to get rid of what you just ate either through exercise or through throwing up or through using laxatives. 
there are so many signs of whether or not you have a healthy or unhealthy relationship with food. I made like a huge post about it, but those are some very prevalent signs. When you're putting other people's advice and things that you see on the internet or read about before listening to your own body and they're shaping the way that you live your life and taking up a lot of your headspace, that's a, that's a sign that you've kind of crossed that line from being healthy and conscious to more of an obsessive and compulsive and controlling form of eating. Wow. I feel like that is so much more prominent than people even realize. Like I'll admit I've even had like some of those characteristics and not really understood what that meant. It's so difficult to to understand what it is to actually eat healthy and like feel good about it, like mentally and physically. I feel like so many people are dealing with this and just don't even realize that it's an issue. Absolutely. Because it's like made to be seen as normal and like hating your body is normal and everybody's being fed the message that they need to change and that in order to be healthy, you've got to be doing something to make yourself healthy as in making yourself different than you actually are. When if people were to just leave their bodies alone and listen to them and really listen to what they're asking for, like, of course, your body is not going to tell you to eat hot Cheetos and cupcakes all day. Mm -hmm. Like, but also it may not tell you to eat like kale all the time. It's listening to your body and really not doubting what it's telling you because it has one job and that is to keep you alive. And it's so important to trust your body and to give it what it's asking for. If you're craving something, listen to your craving. Don't judge yourself for having that craving or think that you need to ignore it or replace it with something else because your body is telling you, you need something in whatever food you're craving for a reason. Okay. So this is where I have a question because I think if like so many of us, especially I struggle with this all the time is how do you know if it's a craving versus something that you, or, you know, like a mental thing, like something that you may be like addicted to, like I'm finding that I'm literally addicted to dairy. (laughs) Um, But I think it's just kind of a mental addiction. So how do you know like what you're actually craving versus what your body really wants? I think it's really important to think about what things in dairy could your body be wanting or needing. Maybe you need some more calcium. Maybe you need some more fats. There are many things that are good indicators if you look into what you're craving and the certain minerals and vitamins and nutrients that are in that food that you could also find ways to supplement that in other ways. So if you're like allergic to dairy and you're craving it all the time, then you're probably going to want to find something else that works better. But also I think there's just like such a stigma around okay, if you're craving something that's not generally seen as healthy, especially with everybody being vegan nowadays, mm-hmm. that it's a bad thing and are you feeling like you're addicted to it because you're craving it all the time? or because you actually feel like you no matter how much you give yourself that you can't get enough because we can think that we're addicted to things and that we are going to go out of control if we keep eating them when really we just haven't fully satisfied our craving for them interesting yeah i 
It's hard for me to be able to tell the difference, but I think like what you said earlier, like just intuitive eating and thinking a little bit more about like why you might be craving something like in the nutrient value is super important. Um, And in terms of, so intuitive eating is something that like is popping up a lot more nowadays, which I think is great, but it's for most of us general public, I think is a little bit vague. Like what exactly does that mean? Does that mean like what you were just saying in terms of just listening to your body or what does that that mean to you? Oh my goodness. So (laughs) (laughs) intuitive eating, that's always something that I think everybody strives for. And it's so funny because we were born as intuitive eaters Mm -hmm. and by sucking in all of this information and made it to think that what we're doing is wrong and all the different kinds of like fake foods that are out there and the diet plans and everything we're being fed is really keeping us from our natural state as an intuitive eater. And now there's this whole like intuitive eating as a diet and that's a bunch of crap. Like intuitive eating is should not have rules or guidelines because everybody's different and it's going to be different for everybody. Intuitive eating is eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full. Yeah. But like, it's also, if you're sad, eating some ice cream, like it doesn't necessarily mean it's the healthiest thing all of the time. It's listening to your body and listening to what it's asking for and listening to your emotions and just making sure that you are doing what your body is asking for. And I'm not like saying to dive into emotional eating or anything like that, because you can eat when you're feeling certain ways, but it's also very important to see why you're feeling those certain ways and find certain ways to cope with those emotions rather than turning to food and using that as a numbing source. Mm -hmm. But Intuitive eating is different for everybody. There should not be rules on how you eat. That is not intuitive eating. And so really just listening to your body and not judging yourself, not judging your hunger and just allowing yourself to follow your natural hunger cues, not questioning whether you're really hungry, how full you are, how full you should be. Just listen to your body. It's being made so much more complicated than it needs to be. I mean, children are the best example of intuitive eaters. And if you can bring yourself back into that childlike state, that sense of just seeing food as food, (laughs) then I think that's the best way to be an intuitive eater. Yeah, no, it sounds so like simple when when you say it like pretty obvious but then i i keep finding myself wanting to ask more questions like well how do you know if you're eating the right thing or like how to identify the correct diet and but like it sounds like from what you've been saying it's really just what your body wants and, and starting to see food as food again which is so funny because i guess even just thinking to my own personal life and thoughts and stuff like that like yeah, I guess I really don't see food as food anymore. I mean, a lot of the food out there isn't real food, but um, yeah, it's really easy to get into that into that mindset. But uh, it sounds fairly simple. I think it's just a matter of mindset changes. So when you talk a little bit about kind of changing that mindset, like what are some ways that you advise or, or help your clients like do that? Because I feel like that's probably the biggest struggle. 
Absolutely. Mindset is huge, especially when you're struggling with an eating disorder because the thoughts in your head are creating the majority of the issue. And so getting really clear on the thoughts that you're having and the action, the feelings they're creating and the actions those feelings are causing you to take is so important. And a huge way to do this, to get really clear on those things is to journal and to get out of your head because we get so in our head about so many things and find ourselves chasing, like going around in circles and just having this, these racing thoughts and we don't get them out to actually look at them and see, understand them and know why they're there and how they're causing us to act. And so taking a look at your thoughts by just like writing them down and getting clear on the feelings that they're creating and the feelings those actions are causing you to take and those results that those actions are creating in your life is the key to changing them and to healing them. And so a lot of the times I ask my clients, like when they tell me about a situation that they're having, okay, what thoughts led you to feeling that way? And how did you act because of that? And okay, so how do you want to feel? And what kind of thoughts make you feel that way? And what kind of actions would that produce? And then when they come to a situation like the other one where they had all of these negative thoughts, they're able to think back to when they walked through it and they understood where the thoughts were coming from and pick the thoughts that they chose would make them feel the way they wanted to feel and begin to think those and apply the thoughts, the feelings, and the actions of their desired situation to the one where they feel they are struggling. And with this continued thought work and the choosing how they want to feel and choosing how they want to think, that allows them to overcome the obstacles that are holding them back. Because all we're ever really afraid of is a feeling. And we are always in charge of how we feel with the thoughts that we choose to think. And a lot of us think we aren't in control of our thoughts, but we, we are. We choose what we think, and our thoughts are our greatest point of power in shaping the lives we live. No, I know. That's like one of the scariest, but also like most exciting things about being a conscious being is that knowing that you are in complete control of your thoughts and that you're not actually your thoughts, but you're the observer of your thoughts, which is something that I think is huge. Um, but in terms of some challenges you see, is this, do you think mindset is one of the biggest challenges you see in terms of people's recovery or what other things do you come across that can kind of get in the way? Mm, definitely. Mindset is definitely a big one, but also this feeling of needing to be in control. And the paradox of recovering from an eating disorder is that the more you let go of control, the more you gain control. And because right now, control looks like following out the demands of the eating disorder to keep yourself in check, to protect you from the real root cause of the pain that you're feeling. Because eating disorders are developed as a way to cope. They're with all of the things that are going on in your life that you feel you don't have control over. And 
So letting go of that control, letting go of the disorder, this security blanket almost, your way of trying to find a way to fix the things around you by fixing yourself is scary and it's hard because you wonder what's going to happen if you let go? Are you going to spiral out of control? And if you've developed this disorder and have had it for quite a long time, it can be really hard to release it because you feel as if it's become part of who you are and you don't know who you're going to become without it. And one of the huge things that makes my program so effective is that we work on rediscovering and reconnecting you with who you truly are beneath the disorder so that as you recover and go on to evolve into the next version of yourself, you know who you're becoming and you have this support of knowing who you want to be and what life you want to create so that the eating, it's not like cutting the cord or losing who you are when you let go of the eating disorder. And rather it's like the eating disorder becomes this inconvenience, this thing you don't need anymore as you go on to become the person who you truly want to be and live a life without it. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like getting like your family members or your spouse or your partner involved is helpful in recovery or does it, is it actually hurtful? I think, well, it, there, I think you need to be very conscious of who you're letting in. And if it's somebody who you know, it can be, can be very supportive and is going to help you along your journey. I definitely suggest having a a support system. It is so important. But there are certain people, you know, you have to set your boundaries and make sure that the people you are allowing into your space are non-toxic people and explain to them how they can best help you and what you're going through. Educate them on what it is you're really struggling with and some of the implications it has and consequences it has cause. And I also think that it's important to know that you are doing this. You are the only one who can truly get yourself to recover and make the decisions that are going to get you to where you want to be. And you can't rely so heavily on other people or depend on other people in your recovery because it's got to come from you. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think, I feel like that's the case for, for most you know, recovery from pretty much anything. And it sounds like that's the case for eating disorders as well. It's so hard. I feel like eating disorders are so hard because you have to eat to live, right? So it's not something you can get around. Like it's a part of people's homes. It's a part of people's lives. You know, they go to lunch with their coworkers. Like it's just everywhere. You have to do it. So I feel like that's probably so hard to recover from, especially when it's something you have to do. Yeah, and it's like, it's not so much, for a lot of people, the eating isn't the hard part, because there's that part of you that just, like, it really, it wants to eat, it's yearning to eat, and it's letting yourself eat is the hard part, Mm -hmm. and there's almost this fear that it's going to be too easy, that you're going to recover too fast, that if it's so simple and you recover so quickly that 
maybe you were like a fake all along. You did all of this for nothing. Like, was this all just an excuse to eat more food? Like eating isn't the hard part. It's what that's you're allowing that to mean and allowing yourself to let go and nourish yourself. That that's the hard part because everybody wants to eat. Nobody wants to starve. It's actually letting yourself do that and letting yourself be nourished and feel that joy and actually be, I don't know, a lot of, allow yourself to show yourself love because a lot of people who struggle with eating disorders, they don't love themselves and they don't think they deserve to be nourished. They don't think they deserve to eat. And so crossing that barrier and allowing yourself to, you know, be taken care of is a huge part of recovery. Yeah. So what are some things that you would say are helpful in kind of cultivating that self-love and acceptance that's needed for recovery? Mm. Affirmations are definitely very powerful. And even if you don't believe them, even if they seem silly, stick with them because the affirmations are what are going to replace the thoughts in your head that are tearing you down. And also engaging in acts of self-care, no matter how hard it feels for you, just continue to do them. Slowing down and surrendering and knowing that things don't have to be hard and focusing on the things that are great about yourself, that you love about yourself. Focusing on more of what you are rather than what you are not and using that to grow and expand rather than using what you're not to cut yourself down and shrink back. Those are huge. Um, Journaling is huge and just writing letters to yourself, writing letters to your fear, really comparing how you treat yourself to how you would treat others and how you would want your daughter to treat themselves or your best friend. Because so many times we, we are so open to giving other people love and we think other people so deserving of our love except us. <laughs> and so why are other people so worthy of our love and not ourselves? And it's so important to dig deep and find the stories that are holding you back and to actually create freedom statements that allow you to release these stories and go on to love yourself because loving yourself is the least selfish thing you can do. It's the most selfless thing you can do because when you love yourself and your cup is full, then you can, you can give love to others. You can give love to the world. And I think oftentimes there's this belief that if you love yourself, you're full of yourself, or if you're happy, then you're somehow taking away from other people's happiness, but abundance and happiness and joy and wealth and well-being, all of those things are limitless. And your happiness is only contributing to the happiness and the love that exists within the world. And that is healing for everybody. Definitely. And so when you say healing for everyone, so do you work with both men and women? I work solely with women there are have been a few times where i have spoken with men and worked with men but primarily i work with women okay yeah i was gonna say um i was just wondering if eating disorders 
and kind of the healing process tends to present itself a little bit differently between the two or if just in general, like what you were talking about, the love and acceptance and all of that is really just the key for everyone. It definitely is the key for everyone. And the way that eating disorders manifest, it's so similar from person to person. The reasons why they manifest are different and unique to each person, but the way that they manifest is so scarily similar. I mean, the thoughts that people have are word for word verbatim as the ones that I had and as the other people I speak to have. It's like some entity has like gone into all of their minds and is speaking the same things. It's really interesting. Wow. And have you worked with anyone that suffers from like a chronic illness, like chronic fatigue, and that is also trying to find healing through their diet, but kind of like tiptoeing the line of of um, disordered eating from that? Absolutely. And this is where the knowledge of like holistic nutrition really comes in. And we actually dive deep into the issues within their body and ways to heal their body from a place of love and making sure that they're doing everything from a place of love and using the knowledge of what is best for them to fuel their recovery, not only from the thoughts that are taking over their mind, but from their actual conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's one thing that I personally struggle with is I have chronic fatigue and it's a pretty vague term. I'm still kind of figuring out what that means for me and what that means for my lifestyle and, and all of that. But like one thing that I have been trying to do is change my diet to, to try and, you know, fix it or make it better, feel better, feel more energized. And I think that's one of the hardest parts for me is just, just like we were saying, understanding like that it may be problematic to just jump from diet to diet. And the best thing to do is actually just listen to your body. But I feel like that probably resonates with anyone who's listening that has any type of immune disorder or chronic fatigue or something like that, where they're just trying to constantly control it with their diet and running into dead ends or starting to see some of these patterns, like you were even saying, associated with disordered eating kind of pop up for them. Absolutely. And I think that's another thing. It's like people who go to a Google search and literally think they like have everything and that they need to try all these different things. And a lot of people like go like a week trying something and then like hop to a different thing. And they're not actually listening deeply to their body and watching how, and giving it time to actually adjust from one thing to another. And I think a lot of these issues develop from a lack of truly tuning in and listening to your energy levels and to to what your body is telling you when you eat certain foods and how you're feeling and your emotions because a lot of a, a lot of things that we think are because of our diet are actually not because of our diet and it takes a lot of inner work to find out where these issues are actually stemming from mm-hmm. and while a lot of things can come from your diet, it's usually not something that needs to be changed drastically. A lot of the times it's just like a vitamin or mineral imbalance. And there are simple ways to fix those things with supplements or herbs or just eating more of a certain kind of food. I think there's a lot of all or nothing black and white approaches when it comes to trying to heal issues and 
you know, feel better. And I think that's part of the reason why people are like chronically suffering with these things is because it's not always black or white. Things change and nobody's body is black or white. And so I just think tuning in and listening and allowing for more of like a variety and not taking what other people say or what other people have tried as like the law when it comes to you, finding the way to deal with these issues. Totally. I feel like everyone's just so desperate for answers that it can be so easy to get sucked into, especially because we have the internet, right? (laughs) And we have podcasts and we have everything. It can be so easy to get sucked into that and start to feel like you found the next best thing and then really stop listening to your body because you're so diehard on kind of sticking to the rules of this next best diet or whatever cleanse that you've found somewhere on the internet, which I am so guilty of. (laughs) And people just like, they want to find an explanation for the parts of themselves that aren't feeling the best or things that aren't going the best in their lives because it gives them something to tangibly try to change it. And the easiest way to do that, it seems, is to be through changing what you eat. And sometimes that's not even the issue. And so I think people try and take it into their own hands and feel like they're in control of something by constantly trying to change their diet and thinking that, oh, this is going to fix everything when it, you know, it may help a little, but it might not fix everything. And people need to be open to just because this didn't work for some, or it worked for somebody else and they think it's great doesn't mean it's necessarily what's greatest for you. Mm -hmm. And you're pretty much taking the thoughts right out of my head. I'll have to admit I'm so guilty of this. So I did um, the keto diet, which I know is so controversial, but I will say it did have its benefits for me. But I did that for three months and I, and I did like it. And I started it because I had a lot of family members doing it and they were saying how much energy they felt. So I was like, well, it's definitely having chronic fatigue, like energy is something I need. So I'll try it. Um, and I lost 20 pounds, which was good. That, that was a, definitely a goal. Um, but I realized recently that I just needed to move on from it. My body was like craving fruit so bad. And I mean, fruit's not the devil, although many diets will tell you that it is. There's a big fruit fear out there, but my body was just craving fruit so bad. And kind of how I felt when I first started it had started to wear off. I was getting more exhausted than ever um, because it's a lot of animal protein, a lot of fats, things that can really uh, bog some people down. It works for some people, but not for everyone, like you were saying. Um, So I was kind of searching for solutions, and I just started a 28-day cleanse um, from Medical Medium, which is just raw fruits and veggies, Um, like I was telling you a little bit about earlier. but my gosh, the first day was so difficult and it it did feel good. But around like four o'clock, I felt the worst migraine coming on um, and slept for like 10 hours. So I'm not sure if it's going to be the right thing for me moving forward. But I think just talking to you has been so important for me and I'm sure everyone else listening as well, because I think it's something I really needed to hear just going from diet to diet, looking for solutions, looking for the answer. Um, I'm always trying crazy things and sometimes my health gets, you know, maybe marginally better, but not, not always. Sometimes I have to suffer from migraines and 
quote detox, which who even knows if it's really detox or not. Maybe it's just your body screaming out for something else. So I think it's important um, for me and everyone else to hear that too. Absolutely. And so often we are searching for these answers everywhere outside of ourselves when Mm -hmm. we know the true answers for ourselves. We know the true cause of these issues deep down. It's really just diving deep to uncover it and understand it is what we really need. It's like we're asking other people for the answers to the puzzle inside of us. And like, they don't know, like (laughs) we are all like our own greatest healers. And there's actually, I read this thing in like a Wayne Dyer book one time and it was about a man outside looking for the key to his house under a streetlight. And like the neighbor came and helped him look for it. And she was like, oh, do you remember like where you dropped it at? And he was like, oh yeah, inside. And she's like, then why are you looking for it out here? And he was like, oh, well, there's no light inside. And so it's like, where are you? Sh- <laughs> it's like the answer, he knew where it was, but he just thought that because like there was light somewhere else or he was looking outside of himself to find the answer when he knew what it was along. And wow. so I think that's just so significant of how we are, especially in today's society, because we always think that someone else has the answer for us when we truly do. <laughs> I love that too, because just this, you know, how symbolic light is just turning on the light in yourself and kind of shining your light out from within is like the key to, to solving almost everything in at least your life and can help with helping others too. So I love, I love that. I thought it was so cool. I gotta love Wayne Dyer. <laughs> I actually, oh my gosh, call me crazy, but maybe I don't know who that is. Hold on. I'll look it up real quick. Wayne Dyer. Oh my gosh. He's amazing. Like, well, he's not alive anymore, but I mean, <laughs> you should read some of his books. I will. Yeah. I've never heard of him. So I'll have to. And of course I'm like an all or nothing person. So when I get a recommendation, I'll probably read like all of his books in a few days. <laughs> it's like a blessing and a curse. It really is. And part of it has to do with my personality type. Like I'm just, I'm all in or I'm all out. And I pick up things like really fast and really hard and super intense. And then the next week I'll like drop them off. <laughs> Oh, I definitely, I feel you. I love to be like, and I'll get like super anxious sometimes when I'm like, even like reading a book that I really like, and that has like a lot of really good information about like, you know, being more at ease, like really like healthy advice for like getting to know yourself better. And like, I get so anxious because I want to like apply all of it right away and do all of it like perfectly. And I'm like, this is defeating the purpose of like, Yes. This entire book that's telling you to chill out. Like <laughs> it's so hard because I'll I'll I get the exact same way and then like I'll do nothing because I get so like paralyzed by everything. I'll literally just do nothing instead. It's so bad. I used to struggle with that so much in my business, but I've overcome that now and actually um it's actually a sign of being very stuck in your feminine where you have all of these ideas, but don't actually take the action. It is combining that masculine energy, that Shiva with the Shakti that allows you to not only create these wonderful ideas, but also follow through with them. Oh, wow. That's, I've actually never, I mean, I've obviously heard about 
masculine and feminine divinity and energy and all of that, but I didn't realize that that was a part of like motivation. Is it, is it a part of just lacking motivation in a sense? Um, I wouldn't say it's lacking motivation. It's just the, just really putting like the confidence and it's taking the action. It's just about trusting in yourself and doing what you know you need to do to make your dreams happen or to make anything happen. Like we focus even like in eating disorder recovery on balancing the masculine and the feminine and balancing the chakras. And there's just so many things that play into each other and in balancing the energies within you that lead to your ability to carry out your successes and do what you actually want to do. You've got to align the thought and the intention with actually doing it, the action. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't realize that chakra. Well, I guess I should have realized that energy is like the center of everything. Um, So that's really interesting to hear that you do some like chakra work and masculine feminine work and all of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. We like, we go through all of the chakras, finding the like excesses and deficiencies because both can cause issues. And we work on, we start from the bottom because if you have imbalances in any of the lower chakras, it's just going to mm-hmm. lead to one imbalances throughout the whole system. And so we start with the root and we work up with holistic practices, healing and bringing you back into alignment so that you can actually reach the crown chakra and feel fully aligned and comfortable extending into the new version of yourself and the next part of your life without the eating disorder. Yeah. So if, if anyone's listening and wants to sort of try to start addressing some of their disordered eating thoughts, what are like the top, like three recommendations you would have for someone listening right now that is maybe feeling a little inkling that that they're struggling with this and they want to start like taking steps towards recovery. Um, okay. First of all, it can be more than three or less than three too. (laughs) Definitely journal and journal, journal, journal. I tell everybody to journal and it's so important and you just need to journal. You need to write about (laughs) Mm -hmm. all of the reasons like what is this costing you in time in terms of joy in terms of love in terms of energy in terms of money in terms of frustration and why do you want to get better is so important to connect with your why and when you're coming up with these things keep it in the present tense. So like, I want to have children. I want to be able to go to a restaurant and order whatever I want. I want to be happy when someone surprises me with breakfast in bed instead of like full of fear. I want to have the focus to do my schoolwork. I want to be able to finish college. It phrase everything in like the present form. So not like, because I don't want to be this way or I want to stop doing this or that kind of stuff because positivity is going to help you and it's going to encourage you and it's going to make you feel as if there's something that you can pursue and give yourself rather than something you have to cut out of yourself or like Mm -hmm. stop yourself from doing it kind of makes you more into this empowered person rather than this person who has all these things wrong with them yeah 
So definitely journaling, getting clear on your why. Why do you have to do this? Why do you have no other choice? And then the next step is to really, you know, create your support system, um, get some sort of help. Because while you can recover, like on your own, I, I suggest doing it with some sort of help, whether it be a coach or a doctor or a therapist, all three, I recommend, (laughs) but, um, definitely finding that commitment to the process is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, someone told me once too, that building like building a support system is so so important as we all know and it's okay to have that support system be people that you pay (laughs) you know it doesn't have to be having a hundred best friends that are there by your side to help you out it can be having a few people that you pay to help you through like people like you that that are coaches and me that are coaches and doctors and naturopaths and people like that too Absolutely. And that, I would argue, even strengthens your recovery. And because you're making that commitment to your own well being, you are investing in yourself. And that's not only something that's hard for people with eating disorders, but for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that making that investment is further committing to the process. And so I think that's a great idea. It's so important to not only have that support system, but also the support system that you know is going to help you, that investment that is there solely for you and your healing. Definitely. And I always tell people that you don't have to have the tools to do this stuff by yourself. You're not expected to either. Like no one knows what they're really doing in life sometimes. Like these are, these are things that we're not expected to have the answers for alone. Absolutely. And connection is, I'd say human connection is like the most important thing in life. It is Mm -hmm. like we are here to connect with each other because we all, we, we are all one and we all were one at one point. And so finding the ways in which we connect is such an important part of life. And nobody has to do this alone. Nobody should try and do this alone. I mean, we're all here because I feel like we all have pieces of each other within us and things that we can always learn from other people and we can always help other people and be helped by them. And so don't ever feel like you have to do this alone because you don't. You are not alone and there can be a lot of good that comes from opening up and being vulnerable and allowing new perspectives and new information into your mind and into your Mm -hmm. being into your reality yeah no I 100% agree with all that um well was there anything else that you wanted to tell our listeners anything else that you felt is super important or any words of wisdom that you wanted to impart before we end this episode Mm, well, if you haven't <laughs> gotten this already, <laughs> listen to your body, listen to your intuition, and know that the journey to 
where you want to be, who you want to become, isn't keeping you from being there. It's not keeping you from being that person. It's not holding you back, but rather it is shaping you into the person who is going to be happy being that person, who is going to be happy in that place. So really just embrace the journey, slow down, surrender, and just allow life to be exactly what it's meant to be. You don't have to become anything other than more of who and what you already are. Yay, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with our listeners and also beautiful words for me to hear as well. Um, And if anyone is interested in getting the privilege to work with you, where can they find you? Do you still work with clients? Do you take clients remote or in person? Can you tell us uh, and our listeners a little bit about where they can find you? Absolutely. I am currently accepting clients. Um, Spots are limited because of the really intimate one-on-one nature of my program. Um, I work with people all over the world. We connect over Zoom, usually either audio or video call, or if you're in the United States, we can go on a phone call. But the majority of my clients love to connect through video because there is that deeper connection. And when we do the live energies at energy healings at the end of the call. It's just more, it feels more powerful to have it over video. Mm-hmm. But um, you can go to my website, which is thesoulfillmentapproach.com. And there's a bunch of information about my story and the program. And there's the application for a discovery call. There is like a two-tier application process to become, to enter the space of working with me and there's the initial application and then we hop on a call to get to know each other and make sure that the energy is right and that my program is something that's actually going to help you because I don't want to waste your time or my time if I feel like someone else may be better to help you and so there's that you can go to my website and find the application I'm also super active on Instagram at Braley Marianne and I do IGTV videos and lives and post things on my story all the time and I recently started up my YouTube channel again so I'll be posting videos on there of like what it's like to be recovered from an eating disorder and answering a bunch of Q&A questions that I get and you can also find me on Facebook in the Soulfillment Tribe, which is just my, it's a little group I run full of women who just support each other. And we laugh, we talk about all sorts of things. And we're just, it's just a good like soul sister tribe and anybody can join. So if you want to, then you're welcome. <laughs> yes. Shout out to that too, because you, I'm a member of the group, obviously, um, and you have some of the most amazing journal prompts as well, which has completely changed my perspective on journaling. And because you've talked about it so much on there and during this call, it's definitely something I'm going to be making an effort to do more of. And your journal prompts on the group, like are just so exciting and inspiring. So I will definitely, um, put links to all your pages in the show notes. So whoever is listening can find you um, quickly and easily. And yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I love chatting with you. I'm so glad we finally got to connect. Um, Yes. And thank you for being my first ever guest. I appreciate 
your patience. I know we had to reschedule because my health is a battlefield. And yeah, you were so patient and so kind. And I'm really excited for the listeners to hear this one.